Welcome back to another episode of the Ben and Berg's podcast. Today, we have something a little bit different. We've done a collaboration episode with our friends over at the Crypto Curious podcast, which we'll get into right away. Uh, you get all of our thoughts and previews for the Christmas break and into 2024. Enjoy. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go-to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the crypto world, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories of the past seven days, giving you the information you need to stay on top of the latest trends and developments. Plus, we'll share quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to crypto, we recommend starting with our early episodes where we break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand the crypto world. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. Today, we're doing something a little different, a Christmas special, if you will, and joining forces with the crew from the Ben and Berg's podcast. That's Ben Simpson, Crypto Curious regular, actually, and his co-host, Aaron, or Berg's, as he's known. And these guys make up an important part of the Collective Shift team. And the Collective Shift is an education platform here in Australia, if you haven't heard of them. So we're still going to bring you the news that you need to hear about this week, but we're also going to bring you a few predictions that you might find interesting as we head into 2024. So welcome to the podcast, Ben and Bergs and Blake. How are you going, guys? Good, Trace. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, <laughs> um, it's uh, It's been a little while since we've caught up, but I, we wanted to do this collaboration because I think a lot of our Ben and Berg's audience probably don't know a lot about Bamboo. Um, and we've been friends for a long time. It's a killer app. I think everyone should download it. Everyone should be sharing it with their friends over Christmas time. So oh. I thought it'd be an epic opportunity to, to come together and collaborate. And um, it's always good to see Blake in his, um, you know, fully sublimated, bright, unicorn t-shirt <laughs> uh, i was actually looking for a christmas uh, santa hat as well i think it would just top it off but um, it didn't have one handy <laughs> mate that would rain just a cherry on top <laughs> yeah look it, it is always good we've had you on we've had you on the podcast twice now benny so it's always a it's always a good time to have you have you on yeah and maybe um, you know, for the listeners benefit it might be worth just going over exactly what collective shift is um, guys? Yeah, so we, we've been building uh, a crypto research and education platform now for a bit over three and a half years. So we've got about a thousand uh, members that subscribe for investment, research and analysis. So basically, if you're sick of getting your information from YouTubers and influencers that are just promoting all sorts of nonsense content online and you've been scammed and you just really need a, you know, a guiding hand, uh, we're an independent uh, platform that just helps people navigate the markets a bit better through our online membership portal. So yeah, we have like a dashboard and, and analysts are providing you know, ratings on altcoins and new trends that are coming up and you get a um, personalized strategy call with one of our teams. So we're just really here to help you guide you through the markets and and hopefully make a bit of money this bull market. Mm, I think two of the really important value props for, for Collective Shift is that you know most people don't have time to deep dive into what's happening in DeFi or NFTs. I don't even have time to figure out what's going on in this space. 
Uh, and then on top of that, you provide the community as well for people to support one another as we navigate through the wild west of, of crypto. Yeah, no, thanks, man. So yeah, we don't we we don't do buying and selling. We're not an exchange. Uh, we we just um, giving you all the tools. Um, insights you need to go and execute and you know one of the biggest uh oldest strategies that we continue to teach is dollar cost averaging and you know it's why we love bamboo because it's just a really awesome automated way to do that the audience that we have and that you guys have are very similar you know all trying to uh navigate the waters of crypto and do it do it in the right way for sure Mm. And look, those waters that we have are looking a little bit greener and healthier at the moment. So everyone's everyone's in a better mood. And let's start talking about the markets right now because we've had eight weeks straight of green for the first time since 2017. How good does it feel? Mm. We uh, went over to Melbourne. We saw you both yep. over yep. there. It was amazing. We had a, a couple of green candles leading into that. And Bitcoin is absolutely pumped since then. We've had a bit of a retracement, but it feels so good. My uh, texts are blowing up from all my old mates that want to get into crypto now, so you know what time it is. And oh. we're starting to taste the the reward for going through that bear market. Oh. It's it's funny, isn't it? I spoke to someone on the phone yesterday and that she's like, oh, crypto's back. And I was like, didn't go anywhere. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing, isn't it? When you're, you're an absolute idiot, you're a weirdo because you're in crypto, you invest in it, you work in it, all of a sudden the price goes up and you're a genius and everyone loves you. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, it's important like as we go into this bull market now, like we're going to see a lot of volatility and like at the time of recording, I, you know, we had a huge liquidation yesterday, about $150 million of longs were liquidated in about 45 minutes. It's important I think for everyone to remember that maybe haven't been through a bull market or, you know, it's been a little while since you've been through it, is it, it's completely normal to have these big corrections in bull markets. What happens is that people get super greedy, primarily traders that then get leveraged up and have a lot of leverage longs and get wiped out throughout this sort of uh, market. So one, be careful if you're trading, but two, for those that are long-term holding, this is just absolutely normal. When you have eight straight green weeks, you do need a pullback. It's really healthy for these sorts of corrections, so no need to panic. Um, and no need to try and time the market and get in and out and try and like do all these sorts of things because it, it just has a probably double negative effect when you try and navigate around it. Best to just sit and hold. Yeah, exactly. And it's not unusual, you know, from um, looking at a historical perspective to see 50% drawdowns in bull runs, um, which can be, uh, you know, hard to navigate. Pretty scary. Mm. Um, but I think that's really due, you know, and, and as we move through more and more market cycles, we're seeing, you know, more and more leverage um, come into the system, you know, different things come into play, like much, much larger derivatives markets, um, you know, so I think we'll, we will continue to see those um, that volatility. And if you are concerned about this small little drawback, maybe it's your first cycle or your second cycle, go back a couple of episodes and listen to the Bamboo podcast where Tracy interviewed Michael Saylor. I've listened to that about 15 <laughs> times. It is incredible. He will set you right. He's the biggest Bitcoin bull and just his long-term view really puts things in perspective and it will set you right. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. So with that, boys, let's get into the news this week, starting with the release of A16Z's crypto outlook for 2024. So venture capital investment firm A16Z are deep in the Web3 and AI space. Each year, they take a comprehensive outlook for the year ahead. Now, this piece is a bit of a treasure trove of predictions and insights, covering everything from the next wave of crypto users' experiences to the rise of modular tech stacks. It explores how AI is not just integrating with blockchain, but transforming it and exciting implications of AI advancements in the gaming industry. 
Yeah, that's right. These guys are deep diving every aspect of the crypto sector and they know it inside out. Um, and they have incredibly good analysts looking at, you know, the trends and the way that the technology is um, moving. Uh, they're talking about, you know, how gaming's changing from play to earn to play and earn. Um, and they're looking at, you know, innovative NFT use cases um, and new, you know, technology like snarks that help with um, security and processing computation on blockchains. So yeah, uh, it's fascinating read. We'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, Ben Bergs, did you guys have a look at it? Anything jump out at you about the you know emerging trends in the industry for 2024? Yeah, I think the gaming sector for us is one we've kept an eye on for now for a little while. And finally, like you know, for a lot of these games that have been built over the last two or three years, finally starting to hit you know the market. So Alluvium uh, came out with their their game that hit Epic Game Stores last week. Um, and gaming tokens have just pumped, right? So, you know, Immutable X was up 100% last month. Luvium up 130%. Ron Prime up, you know, a couple hundred percent. So these games are starting to get uh, a little bit more interesting, I think, to play. That was the biggest problem. Like a lot of these games were just pretty crap, to be honest. Um, and now they're finally starting to, to get to a point where, like, gamers actually want to play them. And even more so, you're getting these bigger gaming traditional studios coming into the, the Web3 world, like, you know, Ubisoft, Zynga, uh, they create Farmville, Final Fantasy, et cetera. So, you know, it's not only getting the interest from Web3 builders and players, but also the Web2 space, which is really exciting. Yeah, no, definitely a lot of these games are coming out now after, you know, raising large sums of capital and taking several years to build out the product. Star Atlas is one that we're looking at as well that we thought was really interesting. Um, but there's there's just so many as well. And I think uh, in in the West, we really don't have that much visibility about what's happening in the East, you know, um, mm. in, in China and, and where gaming is, is gaming's huge. Mm. What about you, Bergs? For me, the one that jumped out as a tech head that builds a lot of tech is the rise of the modular tech stack. A16Z have framed this as focusing on the benefits of modular open source tech stacks over monolithic architectures. Great especially in enhancing permissionless innovation, specialization, and competition. Right, word salad. What this actually means is instead of creating big, closed source, massive apps, think like you know Microsoft, the things that they create, they're creating things that are open source, on the blockchain, things you can actually see and use, and you can grab, they're composable. So that means you are starting not at zero, but you're starting at 100. You can change it by 3% and you can innovate at the speed of light. This is why we're getting so much innovation in the blockchain space. It all changes within a week because it's open and anyone in the world with a computer can do it. I absolutely love this trend. Okay, I didn't realise you were such a nerd. That's cool. <laughs> Thanks, Trace. <laughs> Well, I mean, I didn't have a big read, but I'm big on I'm big on the comeback of NFTs, and I like the fact that they they were pointing out that the use case for NFTs would be increasing with the mainstream brands and identity representation as well with the with the physical goods. So this is your Nikes and your and your shoes and all all of that kind of thing, and the bridging with the digital world. So excited to see what other kind of big brands might jump in there. And it's not just, I might just point out that it's not just a growing market, like a massively growing market, but, you know, the technology is growing and evolving and creating more use cases as the months go on as well. So there's like a compounding effect there from an adoption point of view. Absolutely. All right. As we round that out, like Blake said, we'll put um, a link to that report in the show notes below for anyone who's interested in and having a good look there. All right. I think we'll move on to our next story. This one's caught our eye as it continues to talk about the NFT 
market resurgence because contrary to popular belief, NFTs are not fading into obscurity. Sotheby's, the prestigious 270-year-old auction house, how bloody old is that, is making a striking statement by hosting the first sale of a Bitcoin ordinals collection. Now, this marks a really significant moment in the intersection of traditional art and digital innovation again. So the collection is cre- it's been created by a pseudonym art- artist known as Shroom Toshi and is titled Bitcoin Shrooms. So this offers a kind of unique blend of pixelated art, which a lot of them on the Bitcoin uh, network are at the moment. Um, and this one narrates a Bitcoin's 13-year journey uh, infused with the cultures and technical references that come along with Bitcoin. So this one is is pretty interesting, I would say, boys. Yeah, we're going to continue to see adoption of NFTs by broader, you know, by the broader market. But I think what's really important to point out here is that the ecosystem of Bitcoin and NFTs on Bitcoin is growing you know, much faster um, than other ecosystems. And um, because of the advent of the ability to inscribe uh, your NFTs into the Bitcoin blockchain, I think that all Bitcoin-based blockchains like Doge, like Dash, are going to start implementing the same technology. Um, because you know they're all it's the same quite a similar code base um, Monero so I think we're going to see a massive growth in this space of NFTs not just on Ethereum or Solana but across the whole ecosystem mm. and I love this it really shows the permissionless nature of a blockchain you can do what you want as long as it obeys the protocol and the consensus rules and I just love that the ordinal guys are just really just going for it. And the Bitcoin purists absolutely hate it. And it's like, no, you wanted this freedom. This is what you get. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, yeah. Did you guys see that uh, conversation about the devs wanting to change the something in the Bitcoin code to allow for this not to happen um, moving forward? How crazy is it that Bitcoin people are trying to censor their own blockchain? Yeah, that is yeah, amazing. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It creates a lot of tension because the miners generate additional revenue if the block space is being bought up by people you know using it for nfts so it's obviously great for miners which creates a conflict between the devs and and also the max maximalists uh that believe in you know the satoshi's vision exactly and then there's a competing interest right so there's different incentive structures there so it depends like who's going to win and who's going to play out because you can change the rules and what you actually do and you can mine certain things and your protocol will allow certain things that's that's fine you can create your own version or your own rules and that's what bitcoin is about but then the market will come through and decide what's actually on the bitcoin blockchain Mm. i just cannot believe how nfts are just are back like that all of a sudden and it's because of ordinals you know the, the, the market's meant to move in this certain way so bitcoin ethereum the alts you know i wanted to ask like what is going on what is going on here right now how are NFTs back? People are making money. They're speculating. People are just speculating. And they're flipping. They're speculating and flipping again. Where the hell did this come from? They're speculating, but also it's it's pretty cool when you put things on a blockchain and you're experimenting and it is like on the hardest blockchain on the planet, the most expensive, and it's inscribed there forever. There's something cool about owning a piece of that. 
even though it might seem like it's trash, but it's there forever. Literally, it's going to be there long after you die. But again, this is all pointing towards NFTs being back. And actually, uh, over the weekend, Ethereum blockchain, which has been the king of NFTs, always having the most traded volume and a lot of the top collections, has been surpassed by Solana and Bitcoin, both uh, having more volume than Ethereum. So that is huge news. For sure. Okay. Let's shift gears a little now. Next up, we're going to tap into the personal insights of our co-hosts. We're always curious about what's catching the eyes of those who are deeply entrenched into the crypto blockchain space like these guys. Amazing. So I'm turning the spotlight over to the boys to find out what's really sparking their interest. Guys, we'd love to hear about your favourite projects or tokens that you're excited for in 2024 and beyond. So tell us what it is and why they're capturing your attention. Bergs, I'll go to you first. What are you, what are you liking? Tell us what's what's caught your eye. I'm a big fan of VFriends and I've liked this yeah. since the beginning. Uh, and I do I do own a VFriend. Uh, I own a lot of stuff in the ecosystem. I was quite late into it. I just love that they keep innovating at the speed of light. So you've got VFriends 1, which the original tokens released two and a half years ago. You had book games on Immutable X which was a really wild mechanism where Gary released these. If you bought 12 of his books, you got an NFT. He ended up selling over a million books before anyone had actually read that book. It's a bestseller before anyone's read it. And these poor people that have bought thousands of books, they got pallets rocking up in their New York apartments to get these NFTs. Absolutely amazing mechanic. And he's got uh, VFriends too. What? Yeah, and he's done tons of collaborations with uh, Snoop Dogg, Reebok, Mattel, Uno, Crocs. And he runs his VCon conference every year. You can only get a ticket if you own a VFriend. Ben's been to it. Uh, it's amazing. They've got the best guests there. You learn a lot. You come out pumped. Um, and they've got heaps of things like eruptions, burn mechanisms to get rid of all those book games, tokens, over 100,000 of them. And he's just constantly experimenting with NFTs and backgrounds and scenes and token-gated access. And I'm just really excited to see where this all goes because he's been building and compounding in a bear market and he wants to continue this forever. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, look, we do report on everything he does here in the podcast because like you said, he's doing a lot. He has been around for a long time. The conference he does is always huge, gets everyone along to that. I really liked his Master of the Universe collab that he did. Probably only really appeal to the people of my generation, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but the thing is, he's a massive nerd and he's a collector. Like he even sent me these cards because I own a V friend, and he teaches people how to open the packs and like how to put them in like a little plastic slip and wear gloves. And I'm like, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm not even a collector. And he's just building this series of collectors. It's amazing. You've just said that you felt like you're in late, but mate, sounds like you're super early. sounds like you're like right in there. <laughs> That's, this is crypto. Even though you work there, you always feel like you're late. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, cool. But that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm, I'm Look, I'm sure he's going to have loads in store because he's always innovating. He's always right at the forefront, Gary V. So that's a good one. I wouldn't even have, yeah, wouldn't even have thought of that one. What about you, Benno? Uh, so uh, there's one I'm super bullish on um, in the DeFi space. I'm a huge fan of DeFi. It was an area that probably got the most uh, hit in the bear market. DeFi had a huge retracement. Most most tokens down 90%. But there was one that made it through the bear market. Um, so it's called Maple Finance. Uh, it's actually a Sydney-based company. The founders are from Sydney. It's been around for a little while. I know you, you guys are familiar with it. I think, Blake, you have a different opinion to me. But um, basically, it's a it's a corporate 
um, decentralized marketplace where institutions can get access to capital. The reason I like it is because one, they made it through the bear market, but number two is they're starting to build products that give exposure to real world assets or RWAs. And we believe this is going to be like a new trend. Um, it's not a new trend, but a growing trend in 2024. We can actually get exposure to real world assets um, on chain, which is really exciting. And yeah, as I said, most of their competitors basically died in the in the crunch of sort of 2022. Uh, and they're starting to really get a lot more contracts and exposure to not only Web3 companies, but uh, Web2 companies as well. So it's got about $100 million in total value locked on the chain. Uh, and yeah, just one that um, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on for the next couple of years. Certainly an interesting project, Ben. Um, they do lots of really great stuff, but is it decentralized? <laughs> Look, it, 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 it's, not, it's not fully decentralized, but in saying that, like, you know, I think that's for me anyway, actually one of the, one of the reasons why I like it because it, it's not just fully relying on um, customers in the decentralized world, you know, so whether or not you have a viewpoint of like, you know, fully decentralization or it's crap, like I, I don't necessarily have that opinion. I actually think yeah. um, for some, for some utility and some use cases, a bit of centralization is okay. Bitcoin, not, you know, not so much for example, but no, definitely. I agree with that as well. Like you need some centralization points if you want control and you want to move fast. The extreme example is a DAO where it's completely decentralized and they have coordination issues and it takes a very long time to get things done. So if you start kind of centralized and then decentralized parts over time, that's a really good model to get there quickly. Yeah. And rightly so. These guys do in-depth credit checks on those that are borrowing capital uh, you know, for example, you know, looking at the balance sheets of these, um, your know, hedge funds, for example, or these businesses, uh, which you want if you're lending, you know, large sums of capital, but, you know, just because it's, um, administered by smart contracts doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's decentralized. So, but no, nah, awesome work over at Maple. Another example of that is like, you know, the flow blockchain. So flow blockchain is one that's not really spoken about too much. It's, it's basically like an Ethereum competitor, but like, basically super centralized in the way it's built. But if you look at the clients that they have that's building on top of them, like Ticketmaster, the NBA, the NFL, UFC, like these big brands, some some or most of them, Web2 brands specifically, don't actually want a fully decentralized, um, decentralized model because they have no control over it. They don't actually like a decentralized model because if they make a mistake, that they need to rewind it and they can't do it on fully fully decentralized um, blockchain. So centralization is important for some people. And and Blake, what about you? What's your one of your favorite projects going into next year? Yeah, I've been deep diving, I've been deep diving onto the base layer ah. two chain that Coinbase has developed. It uses optimism or optimistic roll-ups um, as a scaling solution uh, on top of Ethereum. Uh, I'm actually working on a new project at the moment and we're looking at using Base as our native chain. Uh, and you know, we looked at all the you know, layer two solutions uh, across the ecosystem and uh, you know, we felt that like Base, we were going to get the most support from, from a business point of view. I think that's going to really stand out to people wanting to find a solution because um, Coinbase has such a mature ecosystem of developing products and taking them to market. We've found that the team over at Base has been really great to, to chat with and work through some initial ideation with. And I think as a result of my experience, others are going to have the same experience and Base is going to do um, very well over the next couple of years. Mm, yeah, that's a great one. Love Base. Like, do you think it's bullish that they're not actually creating a token? I saw Brian Armstrong come out the other day and basically say that they're not going to go down the path of the token. Like, I actually kind of think that's never. Foolish. He said never, never doing go. it. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a hard one. I'm not. Yeah, obviously tokens have their positives and negatives, um, but I could imagine that you're know, issuing a token, being a US based company, um, there's some complexities, um, particularly if you are listed, um, because you know then there becomes tension about where you're pushing your revenue. Um, you know, back to shareholders or, you know, back to token holders, um, which is a complex, um, you know, thing to, to navigate. All right, folks, I think we'll leave that there. I'll put um, some details in the show notes below. I'm going to leave mine until next week because Craig also uh, would like to be involved in this. So my Craig and myself are going to do um, a little uh, chat next week. So I will, though, put some details in the show notes uh, with regards to um, VFriends, Maple and Base for anyone that would like to look a little further into those. And we're going to take a break here, folks, but when we come back, we've got loads of short, sharp news bites to get through. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to the Crypto Curious podcast for a bit of a Christmas special where we are joined by Ben and Bergs from the Ben and Bergs podcast, part of the Collective Shift group. We're going to jump into our short, sharp news bites now. There's a few. I'm going to kick off first, ladies first. And this one is Fidelity. Uh, They've reportedly met with the SEC again to discuss its proposed spot Bitcoin ETF. This is just Groundhog Day, folks. Each week in the uh, News Bites, we're talking about someone that's chatting about their ETF. So apparently they've provided some more details in regards to uh, the company here. They've amended part of their filing. Uh, Have they also added an ETF for Ethereum? No, they haven't. So just more details uh, to come here as we await this spot Bitcoin ETF. Again, Groundhog Day. So same old, same old there. Yeah. Mm. All right. Next up, we have the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF. So they've developed a fund and they've been able to seed that fund with $100,000 investment. Uh, this is a crucial step in the process of listing uh, a, a traded fund. They uh, have, have built that out now. Um, so it just looks like this is really all in preparation of next year and them listing that fund. Um, but it does seem like a, a particularly small investment for a um, BlackRock uh, fund a Bitcoin fund. <laughs> yeah, so why do they? So did we decide why that was the case? It's probably just like the initial kickoff or something, right? Like they've got tons of uh, assets under management. They, yeah. They've got trillions and trillions. Uh, it's probably just a part in the process to kick it off. But look at that last part. Next year, how exciting is next year going to be? Just with ETFs and the halving, let alone everything else that's going on, it is going to be crazy. Yeah. So are you guys in the camp that they're going to leave it to the very last minute and do it on like the eighth of January? Is that what you guys think? Honestly, I'm not too fast. Like if it happens in December, fine. If it happens in January, fine. I just want it to go through and I want more people to get into Bitcoin and get exposure. I, I think the longer the better. I'd rather – I think it can go as – be pushed out till March. Yeah, Blake actually. loves the long he's, – he's, he's on the March camp. He's like, longer, longer. Well, then it gives you more opportunity to accumulate, That's right? That's it. That's it. <laughs> so you can accumulate more Bitcoin. <laughs> Uh, another big merger we saw this week was crypto media site Decrypt merging with a decentralized media firm Rug Radio. These are two pretty big powerhouses in the space. Um, Rug Radio has been around uh, for a little while, and they're like a, basically the opposite of Decrypt in terms of a purely decentralized uh, model. Um, a lot of great journalists there, and um, yeah, they've come together to plan on collaborate on advertising deals. I don't know exactly if they're going to become like one brand, um, but I would. Probably go to say that one of them was probably struggling. I'm going to say like probably Rug Radio. I haven't looked at this too much, but you know, as a fellow media company, 
Um, you know, we, we rely on subscription fees. So, you know, we, we were okay during the bear market. But if you were just relying on advertising, um, you know, you're probably in a lot of strife. I saw, you know, a lot of layoffs from Cointelegraph, Coindesk. A lot of the bigger players were laying off a lot of folks. And I think for a decentralized model, it would have been even harder. So uh, nice little uh, acquisition slash merger there for, for those guys. And um, yeah, I think that's uh, going to be some more awesome content coming out from them next year. Pudgy Penguins to launch Webkins like Virtual World in 2024. So good old Pudgies. Oh, they're doing so well. Announced it will soon be entering the online gaming industry with Pudgy World. Interactive Digital Playground, and it's expected to launch early next year. And they're going to offer a variety of gameplay options and aims to provide more opportunities for Pudgy Penguins fans to interact with the brand. The NFT project's been a standout in 2023. Their community's been really, really strong, and it's one of the most sought-after PFE projects in the space. Killing it. Yeah. Absolutely killing it. And it's got a toy line that debuted on Amazon, how good, in Walmart stores. Uh, and they're on track to do more than 10 million in sales for the second half of the year. They have one of the strongest communities. I love just the memes, like the copium and hopium memes. And how good are these guys? They've come over the tops of like board apes with their land and different virtual worlds, and they're going to release it before anyone else. I absolutely love to see this. I know. That was the best acquisition ever. All right, let's move on. We've got Robinhood who's launching its crypto trading app to all eligible users across the EU, which is huge. It's a massive step forward for its international expansion that it's been planning. This move took place a week after the firm's debut in the UK. Robinhood Crypto will be in compliance with the EU's comprehensive crypto regulation framework that's been in place for the last six months. Uh, the expansion marks its change in tone after Robinhood delisted quite a few tokens like Cardano, Polygon and Solana earlier in the year. So that's Robinhood in the news again. This is so good. And if anyone hasn't watched the movie Dumb Money, go yes, and watch it. Yes. It is so, so good. It is about uh, a guy, Roaring Kitty, uh, deep value and <laughs> what they did with the GameStop stocks uh, and Heaps of Robin Hood action. You'll get all the feels if you're in crypto. You'll get all the memes. Brilliant movie. And great to see Robin Hood bring crypto to the EU. Uh, so Coinbase rolls out crypto transfers via link sent on WhatsApp and Telegram. I saw this announced a couple of weeks ago. This is a really cool feature. So basically, like if I want to send money to, let's say, my brother who uh, isn't a big crypto guy, uh, it will just basically pop up like, um, hey, Ben sent you you know, $25, click here to claim it. You'll click the button, it'll load you straight up into Coinbase, you verify, and then you'll get that in stable coins. So really acting like a tech company now, Coinbase, like rolling out more like, you know, uh, I'd say like non-crypto native products and just really cool ways to, to, to I guess, expand the adoption of why cryptos are so awesome. And, and, and this is a great way like stable coins to be adopted in the more sort of general population. So really cool feature they've rolled out. All right, next up, we have Circle. So Circle um, produces the well-known, the second world's second largest U uh, stablecoin called USDC. Um, yeah, Circle uh, is partnering with Nubank uh, in Brazil to distribute their product in Brazil. And Nubank has 85 million users. So I just think this is um, really interesting. It's kind of reminds me of like soft American imperialism partnering with banks and giving them your know, digital dollar to circulate within their economies that might not be you know, necessarily into, in the interest of the broader economy, um, but definitely is a product that comes in handy for locals if the local um, transfer rails are slow compared to USDC, for example. So, uh, you know, we'll probably, we might even see more of this in places that, 
you know, have your poor banking systems, um, you know, we'll see Circle come in over the top and provide them a technical solution um, to for people to transfer value. Gods Unchained launches to 200 million Amazon Prime gaming subscribers. So Gods Unchained is a web-free card game launched on Amazon Prime Gaming. 200 million subscribers are offering exclusive content integrating with AWS and Immutable X have an amazing partnership with AWS. They're getting everyone on board. There's heaps of incentives there and I really like to see gaming and blockchain together and this is going to be a huge narrative for 2024. Mm, no, it's an interesting one. Those guys are kicking goals. I think that's it for the news this week, guys. Anything else we want to finish on before we finish the pod? Any nuggets of goodness or market commentary? That, any price predictions that we want to make? <laughs> so as Trace mentioned, the Bitcoin ETF uh, upcoming date for the next decision point is in early January. I think it's January, January 4th, 5th or 6th. Uh, expect a bit of volatility around then. You know, I think it's probably, I'm not sure what Bloomberg reported it to be, but I think it's about a 90% plus probability that it gets approved. The market, in my opinion, has already started to price that in. If the 10% occurs and it doesn't get approved, I would, you know, fully expect a pretty big retracement and a market dump. So just be aware of that. Um, this also could be a, you know, more of a sell the news event as well. So we could see some volatility around that period. Again, that's nothing to panic about. Uh, I think, even if we do have a bit of a pullback, the fundamentals of a Bitcoin ETF is literally going to add new capital to the market. So um, I think you expect volatility, but I don't think there's too much to action around that point as a long-term holder. And I think it might be worth pointing out, Ben, that you know, it could take six or 12 months before these funds to grow to critical mass because you know it takes time for BlackRock and other fund managers to go out to sell them um, and then to do you know, the paperwork if, if needed and then also, uh, you know, for the for the funds to come in, you know, that can, that can be a process. Uh, and, you know, there's internal corporate processes um, for larger institutions and organizations to move through in order to get access to these products. Um, so, you know, we, we might not see, you know, much volume initially. Um, it might take 12 months to, to build. Can I ask a question? And isn't that the point of them getting their tickers and everything ready on the exchanges so that they can act quickly as soon as it is approved? Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, they still have got brokers that are going to go out and sell this product to their client bases. Um, yeah, it, it is self-serve for millions of people or, or what hundreds of millions of people. But, you know, there's also that segment of the market that will take advice from their bankers um, and from their fund managers about how to weight this in their portfolio, timing, um, you know, internal corporate governance that they need to abide by when investing into a new asset class uh, and, and so on. That is that is spot on. And when you think about it, it's like any adoption curve. You have the early adopters, then early majority, late majority, and then laggards. And people have different risk tolerances. People don't understand it. And the one thing that I can say to people listening to this podcast is buy Bitcoin and buy Ethereum. The user experience is horrendous but now you've got apps like bamboo where you can dollar cost average they make it very very simple get in before everyone else does hold it and rent it back to them go and listen to that michael saylor podcast that you guys recorded and you will understand why now is the time thanks Flex Berg. that all makes a lot of sense and you know what thanks guys for joining us today and spending a bit of time with us and going through the news we appreciate it if you guys are listening and you've got a portfolio sitting there 
with a bunch of altcoins that you don't know what to do with and you're still a bit confused about this market, then again, as Blake said, you know, the collective shift is there to help you out with that. And we'll we'll also leave their details in the show notes below because that's what they're there for to help you sort that portfolio out. 